0: Hello, and welcome to the turned on podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband, David, and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life, in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go.
1: Hey guys, how are you? We have a super powerful episode on deck for you today. We're going to be talking to the one and only Tim Story. He's known as the comeback king, the comeback coach. He is a author. He is a speaker. He is a life coach. And he's not just a life coach, but he coaches some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry. He has been on stages all over the world traveling to over 75 countries and speaking to millions and millions of people he's an inspiration and he's just a great guy i met him at the beginning of last year angelique and i have been working with him he's been an integral part of the launch of the turned on podcast advising us coaching us and he's become a wonderful friend and spiritual mentor as well over the last 12 months so get ready to get Turned On with the one and only, Tim Story.
0: Welcome to Turned On, I'm Angelique Norrie, and always to my left is David Norrie, but today we have across from us a very dear friend of ours, and also a mentor of ours, someone that we've come to know very well over the last year, and um, we've also had to witness in the Hollywood scene. He is known as the life coach to the stars. World Shaker, and Comeback Coach. Tim Story is with us today. Welcome, Tim.
2: I like that introduction. It woke me up.
0: (laughs) Well, you're good at waking people up in general, so we're going to get right to it today. Um, As we ask all of our guests, because in light of our title turned on, there's always usually a moment or many moments in your life where it was pivotal for you. What was that one moment in your life that kind of changed the trajectory of where you are today?
2: Okay, I would say 100% visiting a place that's very well known called Disneyland. Mm. Um, People from my father's job uh, gave us tickets, which was a big deal because we were a family of seven. Uh, The mother, father, five children. They gave us seven tickets. I was seven years of age. And we went to a place called Disneyland that I'd only seen on television. I'd never seen Mickey Mouse up close, never seen Donald Duck up close. And the experience was so overwhelming, but, and fascinating from Tomorrowland, Frontierland to ride the Matterhorn. But one of the rides that really touched my life was a ride called It's a Small World After All. Very simple ride. But the thing I loved about it is you went around on a boat and you saw people from all these different countries. And it's interesting that it's like my my dream jumped. And I literally thought, I want to go to those countries. And I was only seven years of age. So the time when the lights turned on, Disneyland, seven years of age. So,
1: Tim, it's so good to be with you. And I, and I can totally relate to that story because I think when we grow up, whether it's a history book or through watching television, we get a glimpse of what's out there and what's possible. And, and sometimes it's hard to figure out how we get from point A to point B, especially when you're seven years old. You know, and if you ask any kid then, you know, it's always, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. And then somewhere along the way, uh, whether it's reality, whether it's hard knocks, a lot of people lose that dream. So how do you go from that seven-year-old to where you are today, and really, what's your biggest piece of advice?
2: Okay, great great question. So as you know, a dream is an aspiration. It's something longed for, and it is a goal. Uh, A lot of times people come to me and they say, I want my childhood dream to come true. And I will many times adjust them by saying, maybe what you want is part of that childhood dream to come true. Because within that dream of what you wanted to do, maybe at five, six, or seven, or eight, uh, was some reality, but there was probably a whole lot of fantasy. Because if you talk to a little girl, and they're four. What do you want to be? I'm a princess, a little three-year-old boy. I'm a cowboy. So what? maybe what they knew is that they were going to be a leader. They were going to do something that was beyond. But what I feel that is that every person that's listening today, that your dream has a voice. So that God has given us a blueprint for our lives. Now, in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and once in a while I use scripture because that's my background doctorate in world religion, it says it says that you are a work of art created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The word good there means God kind of works. And then it says that we're prepared in advance for you to do. So that's a really awesome thing. So you may have got like a glimpse at five, six, or seven of doing something that was magical. But then what happens to that dream is your dream begins to mature. It unfolds and it finds its way.
1: Well, if you look up, and this is one of my favorites, you know, there's so many things that you've said that I've studied and, um, there's one that stands out, and I think, I think you might know what it is, but if you look up Tim's story quotes, this one pretty much says it all, and, and it says a lot of what you're speaking to right now. It says, God gives you the sight, the right, and the might to do great things, but you have to develop the most important thing, right, Tim, which is the fight. The fight. That's the piece that I think – deters a lot of people from chasing down that dream so can you explain where that quote came from and (laughs) and how you use that in your coaching
2: yeah and one of the things i want to say is that what that's one reason i love you guys podcasts i've listened to at least half of them and uh, that's with an extremely busy schedule but i i feel like i get fed by what you guys are doing because one of the things you guys are doing is you're helping us through the process of life and that i feel like there's a lot of good people that they have the sight of something wonderful like the young lady and they have the sight of someday i'm gonna marry a young man and we're going to have a good life and have children so they have the sight and then they have the right so they have the they have the right to do that we live in a free country where this can take place as we have the sight we have the right but we also have the might when we are people of faith because we have god super on our natural mm. that gives us supernatural power so may, imagine you're kind of like sentenced to success cuz number one he gives you the vision the sight he gives you the right he even equips you with the might The challenge is the fight, because in anything that you do, there is going to be opposition. So let me break down the word opposition a little bit. The opposition is going to be, there's going to be an opponent. There's going to be adversaries. Okay. There's going to be, at times, people who, for some reason, just dislike you. There are people that wanna get to the point of taking you down. And so I feel like so many people have the sight of victory, the right to victory, the right to victory, and they do not know how to get through the fight. And another way to say that to both of you guys is the opposition to the mission, all right? So let me just go there with you two for a second because we're all such good friends so i think you both would 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 agree with this that you, you got the sight to what you're doing in life now but part of the fight is what seems to be almost darkness at times coming against you or people misunderstanding you and so there's an opposition or, or a fight david maybe in your own life can you tell me a time where you just felt like people were misunderstanding you, and it felt like a fight.
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt that way kind of growing up. I felt like I had this person inside of me that I knew I wanted to be, but I wasn't projecting that, and people always had the wrong image, and once they got to know me, they're like, wow, you're a really nice guy, but I thought you were a real jerk. And Me included. Angelique included, because That's funny. I had this little voice inside of me that was kind of scared. And, and sometimes it gets misinterpreted, mm-hmm. right? But we can't see that because what we're projecting is something that we're feeling on the inside and we don't see how people are looking at us. And then even Angelique, I almost missed the best thing that ever happened to me because on the outside, I was allowing that kind of fear to take hold of me. Yeah,
0: okay. I can to that.
2: <laughs> very, very interesting. Okay, so in this, in this whole fight, right, might, fight, let's talk about that. So if somebody has a, a fight going on right now, and let's call that a, an obstacle. So sometimes it's like a big mountain that just seems like it's in your way. It could be a mountain of health. I know a lot of great people that are healthy people working through health issues, maybe we want to talk about that even more later, but it could be even uh, great people uh, battling depression. It could be somebody having trouble with their daughter, with their son, okay, Uh, in their relationship. So there's a mountain that's there. But this is very key for all of us, and I think that we can really give our listeners something to take home today, is that when there's a mountain, there are different ways to get on the other side of the mountain, okay? Cuz you want to get on the other side of sickness, the other side of family turmoil. So one way is through the mountain, where you actually just go, you just come through the mountain and you just kind of bulldoze through. The second is to go around the mountain, which is tedious and time consuming. The third is to go over the mountain which is tedious and time-consuming. But there's a fourth way. Biblically, the Bible says you can speak to the mountain and the mountain will be removed. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I want to ask my good friend Angelique, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: with mountains that you have faced at times, tell me a little bit about through it, around it, over it, speak to it.
0: Well, I've done all four. <laughs> I think hey, in my nature. Talk to me
2: about okay. that.
0: Well, in, who's interviewing who, by the way? Um, I will say that um, you know, through a life of understanding, re- you know, the, the re- how the body meets resistance. So, especially through uh, you know being an athlete, you know, you look at things where you meet resistance. You say, okay, if I can just push through this resistance. I will cause the muscle to break down and then grow. And that's where I will gain strength. And so because of the application of that in the the spiritual sense, especially when you're looking at an obstacle, I often would push through or bulldoze through the mountain, which was effective, but also exhausting. And There's no rest in that. And then I've also gone the long way by trying to go around it because I've evaded things and avoided situations and took the long, hard way around the other side. And eventually I got there, but along the way, I probably lost a little bit of myself. I lost some gumption, I lost some zeal, and I lost my ability to stand in authority. Um, And the same with climbing the mountain. I think that when you're climbing anything, you kind of look around you and say, how's everybody else getting over this? And then you look into it in a place of of uh, comparison. Well, maybe I should grab that rock or put my foot here. And then you kind of get off your own path where God tells us, if you speak to the mountain and ask the mountain to move, that it shall be done. And so with the faith of a mustard seed, to be able to utilize like in the divine order, you know, atmosphere, we look at the atmosphere originally, but in who God was, and he spoke everything into existence. And if so, God is within us, and we stand in that same victory and authority, we should be able to say and call onto an obstacle or an adversary or an opposition um, to move. Now, does that mean it's physically going to get out of our way every time? Not necessarily. It means that if I can take a step with the Holy Spirit, with this authority, it means that that mountain becomes smaller. And it has less authority and less dominion in my life. And it's not as big... And it's not as overwhelming. And I realize that the more that I allow my like neural pathways to start believing in the scripture and saying that over and over and over again, that that becomes more real in my life. That that God super on my natural now comes together to create a supernatural uh, movement uh, to remove that obstacle.
2: See, I like this, and I, I feel that for David and for Angelique because we're so close that people needed to hear what you just said. Because I think that sometimes even when you guys are interviewing people or or you guys are on social media or even in some of your speeches, you only have so much time. Mm. And some people don't understand these, to go through it, around it, over it, to speak to it. All that takes a lot of patience and persistence. And there's so many times that you feel like giving up. Uh, David, last question I'll ask you guys on something like this, but t- tell me maybe a time in your life where it just felt like that, I guess that mountain's just going to stay there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it all, I'm just... with the big, with the big things that we talk about, I mean, it, it came to a head with both my career and my love life at the same time, because- yeah. I was literally coming off of the most depressing part of a career. And I was coming off a time when I was just at the end of my rope, exhausted when it came to dating and women. And I surrendered. Part of it was in frustration. And most people know this story. I've told it a lot, but I literally wrote in my journal, God send me an angel. And it wasn't in like very nice, neat handwriting. It was in it was out of like frustrated i don't want to i don't know if i want to say anger but th- that that line between frustration yeah. and anger because i said look i've been trying this my whole life to get ahead of this career to find a person and my timing was up but god's timing was just beginning he was laying the okay, foundation yeah, i of love
2: that i love that i i love that So in in the frustration, what did you then have to do to try to, you know, find hope or inspiration to somehow get through those frustrating days?
1: I I literally had to break myself down and say, okay, I have no control over this. It it literally was, I'm going to go against what seemed to be my intuition. In other words, if you're looking for somebody, you go out and physically look for them. And you go to clubs or you go to, you know, you ask your friends and you go out to singles places. And I did the opposite. I stayed home. If you are looking for a career and you're looking to get ahead, you fill out applications, you knock on doors. And I literally just listened. And and so for some people, I don't want that to seem like it's going to fall in your lap because... We certainly don't want people sitting there on their couch going, well, someone's going to knock on my door, and it's going to be the love of my life, and someone's going to knock on my door and offer me my dream job. But the surrender was when I stopped white-knuckling it, and I stopped fighting it and trying so hard, and I literally said, I am exhausted. Do what me with you like, because my way is not working.
0: Well, Tim, and I hear David saying this, and I think about all of our conversations and and just your question in general here around the mountain.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: The first three ways require physical muscle, physical strategy, physical exhaustion, whereas the fourth way to move the mountain requires a spiritual muscle. It requires a body. We can't see. It requires persistence and perseverance and wisdom and belief like that belief, that faith, like you said, the faith of a mustard seed. So the faith is a muscle that so many of us forget to exercise. And then we go on to push and flex and, you know, repeat and exercise physically, strategically, emotionally, Uh, to exhaust ourselves in such a way that we end up, you know, maybe getting around it much later or maybe just putting it behind us, but it's still kind of the big fat mountain. That's a big giant reminder of, of what we didn't do.
2: I, I love the way you broke that down. And, you know, that's one reason I think you guys work so well together because the way I look at it, David's telling me, you know, there's times that even as men that a big mountain comes, it could be in the area of finances It could be even like, I have a lot of friends my age. They're having trouble with their parents because they're now late eighties, early nineties. They don't know what to do. You Mm -hmm. know, it's, is it, do we move somebody in with my mom? Do we move my mom in the house? Do we put the in a, in a, in a luxury home or non-luxury home? So, you know, people are facing things, but, I, I, I love what you said there because I think at times, even as men, David, that, you know, we, we want to just drive through that mountain. Yes. Mm-hmm. If, if I see a mountain, the way I was raised. And I think because David knowing you mm-hmm. and even your background in um, the physical fitness side, we're more apt to go through it. Okay. The mm-hmm. around it still takes that as as she was saying, the, the physical muscle, that is like a journey. Okay. Mm. The over it, super big journey. But Angelica, like what you said, that the spirituality side is still a muscle, right? Mm. And that's why it's so important to develop that spiritual muscle. Because without it, we're not getting around that muscle, uh, mounted. We're going to, we're going to, we're gonna probably stay stuck for a long time. Yeah.
0: I just believe a strategy is important. I mean, there's always a provision, but I I often believe that the culture and the world that we live in puts the strategy first. And personally, I have to have the spirit first. If my spirit isn't enrolled in it, if I if I don't have the spiritual endurance to do it, um, or or even the spiritual appetite to do it, then for me the strategy is kind of barren. You know, it's a, a barren yeah. idle infertile place for me to build something or produce something with the Lord because it wasn't for me in the first place.
1: Well, most, okay, most, people's, most people's question is, why are we here? What's this life for? When you get frustrated, what do people do? They throw their hands up and go, what is this life for? And if we have to realize that it's, it's to learn. And, you know, whether you're talking about Moses or Tom Brady, and I'm gonna, I always tie these, you know, sports figures with historical figures. Tim, you're the comeback king. What is required in order to have a comeback? What's one of the essential parts that you can't have a comeback without having this? It's a failure yes. or it's you have to be down. So whether it's right. Moses going back to being a lowly shepherd and being humbled or whether you're looking at you know the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, if, if the Patriots were ahead that whole game, it would be just another game. But now it's known as the greatest comeback in the history of Super Bowls because you had to have... A failure in order for the comeback. So you know that. well, Well
2: said. Wow. Well said. And so, yeah, comebacks are needed for basically two reasons. One is a life interruption where life knocks on your door and says, Hello, we just found out your father has cancer. Or somebody who's married and the other person says, It's just not working for me. Okay. These are these life interruptions that I say you would have never ordered from life's diner. Okay. (laughs) So they come the second way. And reason why we need a comeback is because our choices created the challenges. And I think that that's something that all three of us have been there before in our lives, that our choices created the challenges and we helped (laughs) erect that doggone mountain Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it could be the mountain of debt. it could be the mountain of bad habits it could be a mountain of a lot of things but the beautiful thing about god is that he has a desire to get you on the other side whether you go through it around it over it speak to it now i know we have a lot to cover but i'd just like to take 60 seconds on something because i did this research on mountain climbing and they were saying that in order to be a good mountain climber number one you have to have the right skills and so it's good to like take classes to learn how to climb a mountain secondly you have to have the right tools and so that may be any down from your boots to your ropes everything that comes with that okay so you have your, your skills your tools the third, that's a very interesting one, is that you have to have the right partners in your life. You have to have people that are climbing the mountain with you. And we'll get into this because it's one reason you guys are doing the podcast and the way you're going to do your speaking tour and your books and everything else is because I think you guys are partnering with us to help us climb these mountains. And the fourth one is you have to have the right attitude. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that's where so many people lack is they start that climb, maybe day one, day two, day three, they don't connect to the right partners and they begin to lose the right attitude where I feel like with Angelique and David, David, Angelique, you guys are real partners saying, Hey, somehow, some way we're going over this mountain.
0: Boy, have we had those conversations. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and And, you know, again, you know, I'm wearing my LA hat today. If we go back to the days of the Lakers, I mean, how many times did you see Kobe and Shaq kind of jarring at each other during a game? How many times did you see uh, Magic and Kareem maybe getting into it? Because hey, lot, you're supposed to lot. be covering that guy, you, you should have took that shot. So what Angelique and I are trying to do is, you know, people don't see behind the scenes. I would say, you know, on a daily, if not weekly basis, um, we get into things, strategy uh, sessions. And Mm -hmm. the question is, again, it goes back to as a couple, it's not if you'll argue, it's how you'll argue. Mm -hmm. Um, And that same goes for a business partnership or a friendship. It's not if troubles are going to come up, it's when they come up, how do you tackle them? And and certainly, Tim, this is the question to you. In order to be the comeback king, you kind of had to have some experience with a comeback yourself. Because you can't yes. somebody on how to have a comeback just guessing what they must be going through. So, what was your big experience uh, for a comeback that that you draw on that you can identify with your, your clients and the audiences that you speak to?
2: I would say that um, number one great question is that um, I I still have things that are undone. Like I, I I wish that like you get to the age of thirty and then like you got it all together. You get to the age of 40 and you got it all together and you guys aren't there yet, but I am. But If you get to the age of 50 and you have it all together, but what I realized in my life is that I will probably always have something that's undone, Mm -hmm. that's unfinished in my life. And sometimes it takes pressure to show me that I'm undone in that area. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes fame to show me I'm undone in that area or maybe ego will come out, et cetera. So I I feel like there are your more drastic setbacks, which could be somebody dying, could be an illness, could be a divorce. So I've had drastic setbacks, but a lot of the setbacks that I continue to go through are just areas of my life that I feel like I'm undone and that God is constantly working on me Mm -hmm. and taking me through recovery and discovery. And so the the new thing for my life, you guys, that I feel so much peace is that every day as I abide in him, I find him making me better, Mm -hmm. better,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: better. Not, Not perfect in one day, but better. Better is good. Your kids can taste ba- better. Mm-hmm. Like let's say if Angelique makes pancakes one Saturday and they're good, but maybe the next week they're better. Your <laughs> kids may go like, mom, what happened? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's
2: probably
0: true. Cause I don't, that, do that brings that. me,
1: <laughs> that brings me to something ironically that I, another uh, thing that you've said in the past that I think is just profound. And you said, You know, our children don't have to have drinking problems. They don't have to go through divorce or defeated lives. You can be the one to stir them up, to tell them that there's a champion inside of them waiting to come out. You can be the one to tell them that God has a plan for their lives. They are destined to do greater things than even we thought of doing. So if we can take this conversation on that quote that you said and going into the next generation, Because we say right now, I think most people, if you look at the world stage, and certainly social media and the 24-hour news cycle has a lot to do with this. People see the negative. Mm -hmm. And if you took a poll, most people would say the world is headed for, we even hear the world's headed for end times. It's never been worse. That's the glass half empty. The comeback king, from what we know and coaching with you, it's always the glass is half full. And certainly when we push that philosophy onto, we have the ability right now, whether you are parents or whether you're going to be parents, or maybe you're just a mentor to other people. Mm -hmm. We have the power, the divine power to do things, to change that trajectory of where things are headed. And you said it so perfectly right there, Tim. We have to breathe into these children that they are not only going to be successful, that God has a plan for them, and that they're going to do greater things than who, those who came before them.
2: Yeah, thank you. And the, and for you listeners, the reason you're seeing the intensity and how this interview is gelling so much, because we spend so much time together, all of us talking. And so, David, th- this goes perfectly with with what everything you guys are about, okay? And that is to be turned on. What, what I think that parents need to realize is to help their child become a champion, to let them know two important things, is that life is not like walking a tight rope. Like if you were to go to a circus and they have the rope across and you're walking that tight rope, and if you go a little this way, you're going to fall off. If you go a little that way, you're going to fall off. And they're so nervous to fall off, okay? Whether it be to try gymnastics or to try baseball or to try soccer or to take a painting class or an acting class. I know a lot of children are afraid because they're afraid they're going to come off that tightrope, okay? What you guys teach your kids, what I teach my children, and the way I believe is that, we are going to fail, but that is part of the process of getting better. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in order to raise those champions, I think it's important to have conversations um, from time to time and say, Hey, listen, you know, you're on the little league team and yeah, they have nine starters and you didn't get to get into that much, but you're still on the team. You're still doing it. You're showing up at, at practice those conversations need to be made. Okay. So one is the tight rope where a lot of people are afraid to fall off. The second is this whole idea is that every week of a child's life, too many of them feel like it's final examination week.
3: Mm.
2: Like I am chubby and I can't stop being chubby. I am overdoing it on video games i can't seem to stop doing these video games i am depressed i can't stop getting depressed where i have been really really helpful in helping a lot of celebrities children is saying to them you know what every week is not final exam week Mm -hmm. because final exam week there's a lot of intensity yeah i'll say to them hey let's just get better Let's just take it step at a time. If you've been playing too many video games, let's back it up a little bit. Yeah. If, you, if you're the one that tells me you feel chubby and people are making fun of you, all right, let's try to find the right nutrition program for you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've helped so many kids by just those two things alone, the tightrope idea and the final exam idea.
0: Well, I love that cuz it's very similar to the you know when we talk about turned on is we, it can be as simple as a light switch. That doesn't mean that um, it doesn't come with challenge. It just means that if just as simple as a flip of the switch. Just the first step today. We don't have mm-hmm. to go the whole way. We don't have to go to final exams today. You know, it's just a matter of making an improvement so that I'm better today than I was yesterday and that's a good thing.
1: Well, let me, let me say this because I'm looking Love it. this thing. I'm looking right at Angelique right now because I know I'm going to get her attention. And Tim, oh, you geez. tell me if you can identify. This is, this is for couples. Um, <laughs> yes. But, you know, Tim, you said earlier a couple minutes ago that you always sometimes feel unfinished. And, and then we talked about these children feeling like it's final exam week. So let's, let's relate this to something that I think every couple in America goes through or in the world. Remember that book, uh, God loves a messy a messy house. I think that's what it called. I mean, so let's let's talk about what this is like. Because in our house, in the Nori household, Angelique is a clean what do I say, clean freak? Are you obsessed with a tidy house? I mean, a little bit more obsessed than the average person would be. Like you would like to live no, in a museum.
0: I, I, I that's not actually true. It's the the opposite is I just want a tidy house. He could live in any condition so i'm just trying to find the middle ground so this
1: is where compromise (laughs) this is where compromise or in your life comes through because what happens we have a lady tim she comes here and the house is spotless angelique how long (laughs) does that last for tell me how long does that last
0: an hour
1: an hour and then what do you say
0: i can't believe that Karen came here and spent all that time to make this house spotless. And within an hour, it looks like a bomb hit it.
1: So whether you are a parent, whether you are a mentor, a social (laughs) media influencer or a coach, whatever you are, we know that it doesn't last very long in terms of everything being perfect. So when Tim says he's unfinished, here's a guy who's wildly successful in life. He's coached a ton of people. If you looked at him, he's in great shape. He works out, um, very successful financially, but he still feels unfinished because I do. there's never a point where we just can relax for very long and say, everything is perfect. And if we're expecting that to happen and we're, we're not expecting things to mountains, as we said earlier, to rise up and get in our way and require a comeback or require us to move them, then we're living really in a false world. So if you're scared of challenges, if you're scared of change, if you're scared of obstacles, Disease, changing jobs. Guess what? You better get good at comebacks, and you better get good at making adjustments on the go. Because we are all unfinished, and there's only one time when we are truly finished. And guess what? You won't be here on this planet to talk about it.
2: We're only okay. I'm 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 loving that. That was a that was a good role. You just got on, and it's it's, it's going to be helpful to people uh-huh. because we we are unfinished, and let's be okay with that. And it's there's there's a quote by a lady named Joyce Myers. She says, "Enjoy where you are, on the way to where you're going."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And 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 that's what I'm learning more and more. Enjoy where you are, on the way to where you're going. Now, let me let me just say this real quick, because you know this is just real life, so. In the last week and a half, I have had three really close people to me pass. Mm. One of them is Dog the Bounty Hunter's wife. I did her funeral for her. One of them is another very powerful man of God I've known since I was 22. Very well known. And the third is one of my board members at my church who happens to be a doctor and taught in a college for 30 years, okay? All three expected to live. Now, to to the Norries, let me say this. For a guy who is a wordsmith, that on stage, there's very few times I miss a word. I am a wordsmith. I think it through what I'm gonna say, and I say it. In all three settings, whether it be in the hospital rooms, or then again, at the funerals, there were times, guys, I did not know what to say, mm. because I mean, it's it's so easy to say, um, I'm sorry, yeah. or my condolences, or I'm praying for you,
3: yeah.
2: But the the pain was so deep in all three of them, I did not know what to say. Mm-hmm. And you know what I found is that was okay.
0: That is okay.
2: I didn't have to have a can response.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I was there. I showed up.
0: It reminds me so much of, um, you know, you were talking a number of things about choices and uh, unfortunate circumstances like this and obstacles. And, you know, I lost both my mom and dad. And um, as an only child, I was their primary caregiver, you know. And um, going through that while also being a wife and a mom to, an infant or two infants. Um, yeah. And, you know, working a career was very, very, very challenging. And I know David would say it at times like, oh, what can I do to make it feel better? Or, you know, what can I do to help? Or, you know, what can people say? And really, sometimes the middle of that, just the middle in general of anything in life is sometimes silence is the best thing is just to allow ourselves to, to process that and to be human, you know, to experience the feelings. And, um, quite honestly, Tim, on the di- days that I didn't know what to do or what to say, I would f- I physically went outside and kicked dirt. I mean, I've talked about that before on here. I went outside yeah. and kicked dirt and yelled at God.
2: Yeah. And
0: sometimes none of it made any sense and it just had to come out. Um, and you're right. You know, you, you find yourself in situations like that where what do you say? And I, my question for you as a comeback coach and you know, I'm thinking like, what would I have asked you, you know, to coach me through those moments when it's something I didn't choose. Like I didn't choose my mom's cancer or my dad's cancer. I didn't choose the way that they left this world. I didn't choose to, um, to have to saddle all those responsibilities at one time. Um, it wasn't like I spent my whole life up to that point creating that reality. As a matter of fact, I've had friends ask me during that moment, you know, Questions regarding? That. I said there's not a and any amount of self development in the world that could change the pain in this circumstance right now. I don't care who you are.
2: Yes. So mm-hmm. as a
0: combat coach, when when you're in the middle of something like that, what would be your advice? What would be your coaching algorithm in a situation like that? Because it, it it's heavy.
2: Especially yeah, and thanks kids. for being so honest about your parents. And every time you tell me about that, that's That's deep. I mean, some of us have lost, you know, one parent, but to lose two, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably even one reason why you guys have such a great marriage and you're so close to your children. Mm -hmm. Because when I watch you on social media, you're always doing events with your kids because you just really um, relish and understand the importance of family. So I'm going to give you three quick things on that. okay? And this would be from one of my books, Come Back and Beyond. So when, when you have that kind of a setback, even somebody passing, you, ha- you have to then, number one, say, okay, why am I here in this situation? Okay, so what happens, it could be a, a father gets in a car accident or something happened to somebody's mother, or I just talked to a lady recently, her husband died of cancer, he was only 38, okay? So, so, so why am I here? And that's, that's the frustrating thing.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. why am i here god really god my i got 38 year old husband why am i here okay so why am i here number two what can i learn from this experience because i do believe this and this is so important i think it's one of the best things we'll say this entire podcast is god never waste a hurt Yes. He never wastes to hurt, whether it's our personal failure or things that happened to us, remember? Things we would have never ordered from Live Steiner. So if, if you're in a setback today, why am I here? And, and the reason you were there, Angelique, is because who knows? It, it happened. Okay, So so now my parents are gone. Now, okay, why am I here? It's fair to ask God, okay, you're the creator, God. Why am I here? Okay, it's fair to ask. All through the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, men and women of God said, why am I here? Mm -hmm. David in the Bible says, why do the bad guys seem to be winning? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, fair question. Why am I here? Secondly, here's a good one what can i learn one thing that you learned angelique is empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. you love people deeper you're probably more compassionate through the passing of your parents and then the third thing from my comeback book is how can i grow and get better from the crisis. David, what would you do with that third one? Cause that's right up your alley. How do I grow and get better from the crisis?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're, if we're destined to make the same mistake over and over again, we're, we're destined to be truly unhappy. Um, okay. you, you know, you mentioned your friends, parents getting up in age around 80 or 90. My, my dad just turned 80 and, I recommend this for everybody to do a a video where you just ask your parents questions because you got to have it on video because you'll miss it if you don't. And you'll try and remember, but to hear them say it and do it. So I asked my dad, I said, dad, you know, what's your biggest regret in life? And we always expect, we always expect this thing. Oh, I wish I would have done this career or this career. And he said nothing. He goes, I don't have any regrets. I think everything happens for a reason. And I am where I am today because of the things that were hard in my life that at the time I didn't wanna do, but I did anyway. In other words, if my parents didn't pick me up and move me the day after I graduated high school and take me halfway across the country, I might've never ran away, came back to your mother and had you. But here's the big thing he said, and this relates to your question. He said, well, I'm gonna, let me go back to that first question, David, about the regret. He goes, my biggest regret is all the times and all the things I spent in worry that never happened. Like, wow, look back on life you realize that I worried about this. I worried about that. And you realize how trivial some of those things were. So I tried to remember that. And when I fail or when I do something wrong, and it could be as simple as yelling at my child and getting that parental guilt about, wow, I really leaned into them. Then you, you got to say, what can I salvage from this? And that's exactly what I feel like you just told Angelique. Oh, yeah. i passed away. We wouldn't wish that on anybody, but what can you salvage from this? What's the lesson you learn? What good can we take out of that situation? And I feel that she's blessing other people from that moment on and will continue to because of that trial that she was put through.
2: Okay, that's beautiful. Now, how can we take the turned on message and, and bring it to what we just talked about of of being able to do that, how how can you turn on today? Somebody listening today mm-hmm. that has been through something, something unexpected, knocked on the door. How can we take the turned on message? Either one of you uh, answer that for us, so we can get better.
0: Well, um, you know, Tim, you and I have talked about the divine order that I love to apply to everything, especially when it comes to a turned on life. And the first uh, step of the divine order by looking at how God created everything was, he just knew who he was. Like there was a certainty. So I think just the first thing for anyone is just remember who you are in that moment. And if you forget, go to scripture and ask what God says about you and repeat that over and over again until you start to believe it.
2: So good. So good.
0: And then the awareness of that current situation. So I just remembered who I was in that moment and as hard as it was and as, as painful and overwhelming because everything was at the top of the totem pole of life. I just remember asking if I could ask one question, I would say, where, you know, where's the love and what am I grateful for? And I think just having awareness of that situation saying, okay, look, this is the situation at hand. I'm just going to take a God-sized view of it, this and extract the pain out of the moment for, and just say, okay, what, what can i be grateful for in this moment and, and and allow myself to feel that long enough until it until it took over at least for the time being to to push down some of the stuff that was the mountain at that point in time and if you don't yeah, know what the first
3: place,
0: yeah I, I feel like the first thing that for a lot of people don't know what to do especially if a situation is so heavy it's like you don't know what to do when you go back to your faith just hit your knees if you've lost your voice in your your own personal, uh, you know, the way you look at yourself, if you've lost your voice in your relationship, in your marriage, your home, or in even in the marketplace, and you have no idea where to go with that, find your voice with God Mm -hmm. because hitting your knees and praying and and allowing yourself to hear yourself pray out loud. And it, and it doesn't have to be repetitive and it doesn't have to have a high vocabulary, like scream, yell, shout, tell the truth because that's raw. And I believe that's where we gain power again is through our conversations with God. And then that conversation yes. with God starts to be cohesive in the other areas. And you, your voice gets stronger with your own you know, conviction in yourself. Your voice gets stronger in your marriage. Your voice gets stronger in your business. So wherever you are, the first thing that turned on for me is hit your knees and find your voice there. Because everything else
2: I, I like that
0: can be strategically placed if you have the spirit mm-hmm. intact.
2: Yeah. David, what would you add to that?
1: So I'm going to go back to how this conversation initially started. I'm going to go back to seven-year-old Tim Story mm-hmm. in Disneyland and go into small world. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we are turned on when we realize that we are all more alike than we are different. That despite miles, despite different cultures, despite different languages and different skin colors, that we all want to love and be loved. It's as simple as that. That is the The first really biggest commandment, treat your brother and sisters as you would want to be treated. But more importantly, um, also is to be turned on means you want to experience everything you have on this earth while you're here. If you've ever put your feet on the volcanic rock in Maui, if you've ever seen the sunset on the Eiffel Tower, if you've ever held a koala bear in Australia, Tim, you've traveled the world. And and I see that when you said that, I see that seven-year-old Tim story saying, I want to see all these places. And you've been to so many of these places. And I
2: did all three of the things you just said. I've done every one of those three things.
1: <laughs> and so if there's a will, there's a way. Um, and no matter where you are right now, there's a comeback. And when you make that comeback, I think – there's an opportunity to do the thing that you are called to do. And I, and that's why I value you as the comeback coach. That's why I value you, Tim. And the impact that you're making on a, on a world scale, when you say world shaker, no doubt you're a world shaker because people need to be reminded of the the greatness that is out there. They need to be reminded of the opportunity that is out there and that, you know, Jesus said, you will do things that are, Equal to and better than even I've done, he's given us that power to do. And, yeah. and we have to realize that if the Holy Spirit is in us, we have the power to affect change on a grand scale. Instead of yeah, one right.
2: one of the things that I love about being able to have conversations with you guys almost on a weekly basis is that if you look at a biblical context, that that Moses wanted Joshua to go beyond. Uh, Elijah wanted Elisha to go beyond. I want you guys to go beyond. And I I want you to know there's no, there's no feeling like seeing people's lives changed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to, to travel to 75 countries of the world, to, to speak in Soweto, South Africa, and see the young people who live in the, in the huts changed to speak to 33,000 Catholics. Um, and then right after that, going to the president of the Philippines house to talk to him and his wife about God. Mm. I mean, those, those are things that are just mind boggling that all started where you guys are right now. And so that's one reason I'm so excited about the success you're already having because you've had it in business and you're having it now in this space. But I have not seen, ear hath not heard neither has it even entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. So to be able to take this turned on message to the world like you're now doing and see people go from lights out to turned on
3: <laughs>
2: is a beautiful thing.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you it's, so it is something, Tim, that we physically lay awake at, at night thinking about. And not because, like you said, you know, it's, this is, it's not about because we need to make it perfect, we need to make it great, or it needs to be successful. It's be, It's truly the work that we feel that God has asked us to do, you know, in and for the kingdom. And um, I believe there's a gap, you know, I, I believe there's a gap that, and I know that you know it and see it too, is where we somehow, you know, in... in biblical principled people they sometimes lack application and practicality and and maybe a more turned on life because they're so their their thirst for the spirit is so high, but they forget that we have you know physical bodies and a physical life, and it's okay to be able to be strategic um and then those that maybe have got those parts figured out but lack the spirituality and they've extracted God from it, and so there's this tension that I believe that people are standing yeah. and they're trying to figure out where they fit.
2: 100%. And one thing I want to just say to you as doing this podcast side of your life and the speaking and the books and everything you're doing is it truly that what I have found uh, of going before you guys is that when God gives vision as we've heard before there is always provision. Yeah. There is there is provision for the vision. And sometimes the provision doesn't come until you step out in the vision. That's right. And so that's the beautiful thing that you guys are going to find in the weeks and months and years to come is is God's provision for the vision and opening up doors that will just blow you away.
1: (laughs) We're excited. We're definitely excited about that. We're excited to see where it takes us and we're excited to see You know, how we can continue to get better. And certainly you've been a huge part of that. And Mm -hmm. we want to thank you as we get ready to wrap up. You know, you've been a big part of guiding us through this process. You were there when we had the idea. Um, You've coached us, you've mentored us. Um, And we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We want to say, may God continue to bless your life and work through you and in you. And then um, maybe you could just tell us what you're really excited about, where people can find you if they want to hear more about who you are and what you're doing and then what you're really excited about.
2: So uh, timstory.com is the best place. So T-I-M and then S-T-O-R-E-Y. You'll find things, all all things Tim Story. Um, I'm still talking about an app that we did, A-P-P, called the Utmost App. The Utmost App. And the thing that I'm excited about, because we do have some nice TV shows we're working on, movies we're working on, and plays, but even more than that, guys, than like projects, I'm I'm really excited about the fact that what I've given myself to for 37 years is working. Mm. And I know it's working when I go through the airports in any part of America and most parts of the world. And people say, hey, Tim Story. (laughs) So I was recently in the Amsterdam airport uh, no longer than two months ago. And I heard those words again that I've heard for so many years. Hey, Tim Story. I don't want to bother you, but I'm from so-and-so, this part of the world. And I saw you speak. And you changed my life. Ah,
0: that's awesome. And so
2: that is one of the neatest things that God has given us a gift on both you, David, and Angelique, and myself, that we can be people that make a difference. And I still love to hear that. Hey, Tim Story, Mm. I was in a tough place, and you helped me get out. That's what I'm excited about.
0: Well, hey, Tim Story, I think that you may have changed some people's lives here today on Turned On, and we are so grateful for you blessing us in, in our walk, in our process through what God has us here for, because that is truly what you do well. Um, not only do you coach comebacks, but you coach beyond. And you know, in our beyond, we're just so grateful to have you mentor us in so many different ways and just partner with us in agreement uh, you know, with prayer and agreement with strategy. Yes. Tim, we are, we are one completely um, out of our mind, excited for our listeners to be able to hear from you the way that we've come accustomed to. And we hope for the listeners today that not only did he coach you out of a comeback, but perhaps he turned something on in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tim, for being here. We love and appreciate you all. Until next time.